Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 99 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Joe Bagat about recovering from the shittiest month he ever had. Also, Sam, it's episode 99. It's episode 99. I'm excited for episode 100, which coincides with the end of the year, which is pretty cool. Today's podcast is sponsored by Ruby Receptionists, and it's smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Zero Beautiful Legal Accounting, Simplified. Find out more at Zero.com. That's X-E-R-O.com. So Aaron, uh, in this podcast, Joe and I talk about how he recovered from the shittiest month he ever had in his firm. And part of that for him was the realization that he actually needed to start working on his business. And we kind of talked about why it's hard for lawyers to get going on stuff like that. And, uh, but I kind of want to spin off of that and talk about why is it, why does it seem so hard for small businessmen, small firms, lawyers to do the things they know they need to do? Like if I hear another lawyer say, oh, I know I need to learn more about technology but I just don't have time or, oh, I know I need to figure out um, and set down some goals for my firm for next year, but I just don't have time. Like, wh- what is it that gets in their way while they're doing that? And why, why aren't they moving forward? That, that's kind of the question I'm, I'm interested in talking about. Yeah, I, I guess from my perspective, it definitely is not at all limited to lawyers or small firm lawyers. Um, it's people who have businesses in general, which is why there is even the phrase of working on your business rather than in your business, because this is a very generalizable and common problem where people get caught up in the day-to-day and making sure they get paid tomorrow and can easily lose sight of having longer-term goals and strategies to achieve them. So I wouldn't limit it to small firm lawyers at all, but it's rampant in small firm lawyers that um, we'll regularly talk to people who say, oh yeah, I know I should be doing that, but, um, and I guess that's the challenge and is one of the things that I think is kind of scary about the small firm industry is how frequent the, I know I should, but becomes a hindrance to success in small firm practice. And therefore there ends up being a lot of small firm failure, um, when there could be success if people would develop some skills, habits, commitment to learning to focus on their business as a business while still being great lawyers to their clients. Yeah. It, and we're going to hear this again in a, in a podcast that I have coming up soon um, with two women who started a firm and basically just took it as a given that you do stuff, you work on your business, you move it forward. I, I guess my thought is like, you don't have to become tech competent all at once but sit down and come up with a plan and like your plan can encompass a lot of stuff, but have a plan and and move forward. Step one is making a plan. And for Joe, part of that was getting a coach uh, and you'll hear a little bit more about who that coach was and why he likes it. It doesn't have to be a coach, but it could be a piece of your plan is hiring somebody to hold you accountable and helping you figure out what you need to do. But I think you're right. The bottom line is just get going, right? You, you, You can't just sit around and, 
continually wave the flag of, oh, but clients are so much more important. Yeah, but this other stuff is stuff you just have to do. Yeah, and I think some people need to have some sort of breaking point aha moment. So Joe's turning point was he had this terribly shitty month and realized things weren't going to work unless he changed what he was doing. Other people happen to land upon some sort of business strategy book that happens to resonate with the challenges they're dealing with. And that becomes the turning point for them. For a lot of folks, that's a book like E-Myth Revisited or Traction, um, though there are a million business books, some of which might be useful to folks. Um, Sometimes they're pitched on a coaching service and realize that a coach and the kind of third party accountability to someone else is what they need to turn the corner. I happen to be skeptical of that as the solution, but I mean, from my perspective, successful business owners, at least in part, need to have the self-motivation to hold themselves accountable to growing <laughs> their business. And if it requires someone else holding them accountable, that doesn't seem sustainable to me in the long run. But tools are tools. And if a coach is what you need, then use it. But for sure, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like you are focused on the next eight hours of billable work and the invoices for them, or managing your associates and office politics around them rather than what your firm needs to look like a year from now to achieve your longer term goals, figure out a way to step back and, and reassess what you're doing. I, yeah, I happen to think that um, planning for those things like I need to get technologically competent. Okay. Um, I need to, I know that I need to figure out how much money I'm spending to acquire a client and comparing that to uh, how much money I'm actually making per client. Or I need to figure out if my associates are actually making money. Uh, Why am I not living the life and having the practice I want? I, I happen to think those are really good things to do on a weekend. Like when you're sitting uh, on your couch uh, drinking coffee in the morning, sit down with a piece of paper. Like you don't need a laptop for this and come up with your plan for finding out the answer to those questions, moving forward on on accomplishing these things. Um, Just sketch out some goals for yourself and then move forward. So have a plan and hold yourself accountable or figure out who is going to hold you accountable. It can be your spouse. Uh, it can be your firm. You can bring this plan to your associates and, and your staff and have them help you hold you accountable. But uh, but get things moving forward. And if you need to have somebody outside helping you, then make that part of your plan. And I, we're going to hear now from Joe Bagat about how he did that in his firm. So I have some... Oh, before we get there. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this intro, Sam. All right. We swore a number of times, <laughs> but we weren't funny. <laughs> And so I'm not sure, does this count as a good intro or not, if we get in some good swearing, but aren't particularly funny? Well, I mean, the, I, it's hard to be funny about this because it frustrates me. Like, there, there's so much potential in so many small firms, and it's often the, the lawyer themselves that are holding themselves back. And it's frustrating because you can see the potential, and you, they just need to get going. And it's like, come, I mean, come on, move forward. And Joe's an interesting case study, right? Because he he is someone who thinks innovatively about law practice. He's he's been to TBD Law. He's he's been a member of our, our friend and a member of our community for years. You know, we know that he is forward thinking about things, but he still didn't kick it all into gear. And so I'm happy for him, and I want to see more lawyers succeed in that way. So I have a hard time being funny about it because I'm it's frustrating. I want to see more lawyers move forward. Can we do some planning work right now so that next week 
when we're recording for episode 100 that we both swear and are funny? Let's do it. Okay. And here's my conversation with Joe Bagat. So hi, this is Joe Baguette, and I'm an entertainment lawyer. I make bad shit on the internet disappear. Oh, I love that was like the best introduction we've gotten, I think. <laughs> wow, that means a lot. You make bad shit on the internet disappear. Love it. Try. <laughs> so Joe, uh, tell me, first of all, let's start and talk about your law firm, Hub City Law Group. What, what's it look like and how did it, how'd you get it started? All that kind of stuff. Well, um, you know, I never set out to be, you know, to have my own law firm. I never thought that that was what I wanted. That was never, I never thought that was in the cards for me. You know, I always thought I was like a big firm guy, you know, until I went and worked for a big firm and just, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I guess a lot of people. Then you'll know really quickly. Exactly. So, um, my father has been a lawyer for, you know, since I was a small child. And that was part of the reason that I wanted to be a lawyer since I was, you know, a small child. And my father's always been on his own. So after I clerked, I decided that I was going to go work with my dad. It was kind of a natural transition. It's not something, I guess I'm, I'm glad that I didn't start out there because I think that it could have been a problem mm-hmm. if, I, if, if that was the only legal training I had was in that environment. But the way it worked out, I really have no complaints. Um, and what does the firm look like now? Is your dad the managing partner or is he is he reti- planning to retire soon or, or has he? <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. So my dad calls me a couple weeks ago to wish me a happy birthday. And um, he says, oh, by the way, you know, the um, the uh, malpractice insurance is due. And I said, yeah, I know. I've, I've got the the stuff ready to go. I'll, I'll just, I just need you to sign off on the, um, you know, that there are no claims, whatever. And, um, he goes, Oh, well, you know, I've been thinking, um, you know, I think I'm done. So, you know, <laughs> you just need, <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> a little sudden. That was it. So, yeah. So you need to, you know, figure it out. And I said, you know, but dad, um, the, the policy set to renew in like four days and I don't think they're going to be able to redo the whole policy you know, in that time. He said, well, you know, I, th- I think you'll be okay. You, you always figure it out. So, yeah, so, it's, so that's... So it's you now. It's it's me, yeah. I mean, my dad is still, he's doing court appointment, mm-hmm. uh, court appointed cases. Okay. Um, and, and just that. And so um, it's just, you know, it's it's more or less not for profit. He just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to like manage the fur anymore. He doesn't want it to be his thing. Right, right. I mean, he just turned 79 yesterday, yeah. as a matter of fact. So, um, you know, I guess that's certainly his right. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> well, that's cool. Okay, thanks for the notice. So, it's, uh, so is it just you now? It's me. It's um, my wonderful reception team. I think I spoke with them a few moments ago. Uh, you've decided to use back office Betty's, right? I have. And it was... Um, it was actually, it was based on your uh, lawyerist review from, I don't know, quite a while ago. It's been a while. And, um, yeah, it's been a while. But um, yeah, I gave them a shot and, you know, I was, I was using somebody else um, that I probably shouldn't mention. And, you know, I was, I was really unhappy. And, um, you know, pretty much everything that I was unhappy about the other service that I was using, you know, back office baddies has been, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of bent over backwards to make sure that those things 
don't happen again. Uh, I feel like I get customized, you know, personalized service with them instead of just lip service. Very cool. Well, they 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 did a nice job answering the phone, which was uh, which is their job after all. <laughs> so Great. that was awesome. Glad to hear it. So uh, what I wanted to talk about is uh, you have been doing a bunch of work on your firm, and it sounds like it was prompted by a really shitty month. <laughs> is that right? Um, it, it was. Um, I, I don't know if it was the it was the the shitty month that 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 did it, or if it was maybe that I'd already made the decision and then um, and having those, those numbers to kind of stare me in the face made me, you know, feel really good about my decision. Okay. And so, I mean, let's, without giving real numbers, uh, it, you, you told me the number and the scale of shittiness was pretty shitty. Yeah. I mean, like, like it was, it, it was, uh, it was not really, it was a, it was a month where the, where the revenue was substantially lower than the expenses for just about any firm. And it sounds like it was, if it wasn't the only prompt, it was sort of a come to Jesus moment for you where you need knew you needed to do something else with your firm. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, okay. So, um, <laughs> so, I mean, tell me about that. What's it like when you have that shitty month and then how do you crawl out of it or how do you climb out of it? Uh, what, what did you do basically? Well, the, here's the problem with the, uh, with the shitty month. Um, if you're going to have a shitty month, then you probably aren't the type of lawyer who is, you know, watching your numbers very closely, hmm. um, and which I wasn't. And so I didn't even realize that I'd had that shitty of a month until about a month later. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's when I realized that, hey, there's really no money in the account. Like, what's going on? How come I can't pay these bills? Um, you know, I should have money there. And that's when I went back and looked and said, oh, okay, that's a problem. You, you know, and, and that's... That's when I when I realized that, you know, all the kind of putting off having a business plan for all these years and and not knowing, you know, who my target client is and who my and, and what my cost per per lead is. And, you know, all these all these kind of numbers that you see that you hear people throw out in podcasts and, and at seminars and, you know, everybody trying to sell you stuff. And but those numbers, they do actually have some significance it's kind of the, it's the, uh, there, there's always a debate over whether or not a law practice, it's okay to think about it as a business. And I, I think we're done with that conversation. Of course it is, but, um, but there's always somebody who chimes up that, that, that's sacrilege to even mention it. Um, but, but it is right. Like fundamentally, if you can't stay profitable, you can't keep practicing law. And, and if you can't stay profitable, that's when lawyers start making really bad decisions like borrowing from their trust account and things like that. So it's pretty essential that you keep your head above water. That's right. And, and um, you know, I, I was at a workshop at a business development workshop last month and somebody they, they were uh, the presenter was uh, Chris Anderson. I don't know if you're familiar with yep. him, but yeah. um, the guy knows really knows his stuff. And he said that he was giving this exact same workshop to a, uh, bar Association, I think it was Indiana, maybe the Indiana State Bar. Um, and when he sent them his notes or his slides or something, they, they, you know, got back to him and said, well, everything's great, except we need you to take out the P word. He's like, what are you talking about? Profit. Yeah, exactly. They didn't, oh. <laughs> they didn't want him to use the word profit. 
um, because they they felt like it was unprofessional. Unbecoming. Yeah, right. So you're working with how to, how to manage a small law firm, right? Which right. is an awkwardly named company. <laughs> it is, but I mean, I guess you know, you just I think you just wrote an article recently. About no, I mean, it's the, I, it uh, sounds like I was just giving the title of an article though, and uh, I realize. But how to manage a small law firm is the name of a company um, that provides right. um, sort of coaching and business development advice and accountability um, and help and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I'm guessing that it probably has something to do with the um, the fact that, you know, we're running out of top-level domains. <laughs> so, Could be. You know, I mean, my, that's why my uh, my firm is, you know, hubcitylawgroup.com. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit long, but it's pretty easy to remember. And how to manage a small law firm is, is pretty darn easy to remember, too. Just a pain in the butt to type. So, their, their thing is their they're really trying to force uh, the people they work with, not f- not force in the sense of beat them over the head, but they're they're trying to get you to focus on working on your business as opposed to just chugging along in your business. Absolutely. When when you go to the workshops, there's a, there's a and I guess this is a new rule because I'm told from people that have been in there for a while, they didn't know about it. But if you, there's a rule that says you're not allowed to bring cell phones into the, into the lecture hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if you're caught, if you're, if you have a, cell phone that, that makes a noise that dings whatever during the during Arjun's um, you know one of his presentations you get fined a hundred dollars charity <laughs> I like that rule <laughs> I, I like it too um, nobody I guess either nobody reads the instructions or you know because I was the only one that apparently knew about this rule because I saw everybody with cell phones and I said hey are you aren't you guys gonna get in trouble and I, I felt like the like the the kid in school like the teacher's pet or whatever who's <laughs> You know, like the only kid that follows the rules. Um, What's, yeah. Um, so tell me, like, what I mean, what are they? What are you doing? What are they having you work on? Well, so the first twelve weeks is what they call the crash course, and uh, so every week we have a uh, a conference call, and we have homework. We have a you know reading assignment and a listening assignment, and a and it's it's not it's not a piece of cake. It usually requires you know, a lot of thinking and a lot of, you know, to give you an example, um, it's taking up to, to, to really do it right. It takes about 40% of my time every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about of my available, you know, I have about eight and a half to nine hours that are, um, which is actually the very first thing they make you do is to sit down and say, Hey, how many, how many hours do you have in a week to give to your law practice? And for me, that the number really was shocking. It's if I take the time to do everything that I want to do, you know, spend time with my kids and with my friends, my family, you know, take care of myself, work out, yoga, whatever, you know, meditate, all the things that I need to do to keep my, to to keep myself, you know, functioning in top shape, um, you know, takes so many hours. And then what's left for me is, uh, and I guess it's not that different for most people, but for me, it's like 47 and a half hours is what's left mm-hmm. in the week. So that's what I have. And so now, um, you know, I know that the, each of those, you know, 47 and a half hours has a, I, I assigned a value to it. Right. And, and I know that if I'm not making, you know, so much money per, per hour that I'm, that I'm losing money and that's, that's going to affect my, my bottom line. So, um, but you know, back to your question about what we're doing. So that was, that was like the first, the first week was time. And then the second week was, um, something that I still haven't finished because it's a, it's a project that's probably, you know, could take six months of it by itself. And that's, we have to take everything 
all the services that we provide and break them down into what they call SKUs or like, you know, as if there was a retail product that you have hmm. on your, your shelf. Okay. How much does it cost? How much does it cost you to produce a demand letter? How much does it cost you to file a complaint in federal court for whatever it is, for whatever the cause of action is? Um, and you have to figure out what those costs are. So, you know, how many, you know, it's how many hours of attorney time does it take? How many hours of paralegal time does it take? And you, and you put that all down and then you multiply it and, and then by your by your the hourly rate that you need to make to to hit your goals, I assume. Right, right. It's just really tough to do, especially. Uh, I mean, for me, I've been practicing about ten years, so thank heavens for um, for Chrometa because I was able to go back <laughs> seriously. Um, I mean, I I bill mostly flat fee. You know, I've been using Chrometa for like almost since the beginning, since before it was even available for Mac. And I was using it on a, on a, on a, like a, an old windows laptop that I just used for pretty much just for Chrometa. Yeah. <laughs> That's how cool Chrometa is that I, I was, I was sacrificing using a windows laptop uh, so I could use it. But, but having those numbers, I can go back and, and, and look at how much time was spent doing things. And I can even, I can even tell, what time I spent personally doing things that could have been done by a paralegal or a secretary or, you know, a law clerk or, or whatever. Um, and it's just very time consuming to go through that data. Yeah. Um, but. And, um, and what's the objective of doing that to, to try and help you figure out, well, tell me what's the objective? Well, the objective is to find out your true cost, number one, mm-hmm. because if you don't know what your cost is, you can't be profitable. Right. Um, and I, I guess one of the things I'm still kind of grappling with is, um, you know, when you set your prices, I always thought that you set your prices based on, you know, supply and demand. And, and I guess that's not, that's not a lie. It's not that that's untrue, but that assumes that your product is, is fungible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, it's really not because, because you're not providing the same product that the, that the lawyer next door is providing. Um, you know, chances are you're doing it a little differently and um, you certainly can do it differently if you wanted to. You have to charge accordingly. So it's not so much about supply and demand. I mean, there has to be a market for your for what you're selling. Right. Obviously. But so I'm still really just I'm not even I'm not even close to being, you know, to having it figured out. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm about six weeks into this thing. And so far that the you know, I've already seen you know, amazing results. I mean, literally amazing results. And, and everybody that I've talked to, um, that's, that's, that's been through, um, has similar experiences. So, well, it's been, uh, you know, I, so I, I've, I, I know some of the, the how to manage people and, uh, and I, I, I am sort of familiar with the model and I, I think what works, um, is what it, they'll they'll readily admit there's there's really no magic juice it's just that they're finally forcing you or or getting you to focus on your firm and and that's and as soon as you do that you can make a ton of progress and they they focus it and they have lessons but but really what it boils down to is they're just getting you to focus on working on your business yeah that's that's true and you know i mean i guess as as many times as i read not only your article, but all the other lawyerist uh, posts on 
you know, having a business plan and how to have one and how to start, you know, no matter how many times I reread those things and how many, you know, times I had that on my to-do list to make a business plan, it's just not going to happen that way. You just don't sit down and write a business plan. I'm sorry. It's just not that easy. Um, (laughs) Well, let's, well, let's, uh, let's hold that thought for a moment. Uh, We need to take two minutes from our sponsors and we come back. Let's talk a little bit more about um, why it's not so easy and, and what comes before actually building a business plan. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Billable hours are the lifeblood of a successful law practice. Problem is, you still have to bill those hours. Even if your law firm has an accountant, tracking hours, clients, rates, preparing invoices, and collecting on those invoices is time you never get paid for. And writing notes to yourself in court or on the road is inefficient and error-prone. Run your legal practice better with cloud accounting software and see why over 600,000 small businesses love Zero, including Lawyerist. Get a free trial at Zero.com. That's X-E-R-O.com. Beautiful accounting software. Okay, and we're back. And so a minute ago, you were saying it's it's hard to actually just sit down and put together a business plan that you need more, essentially, I think more information before you can do it. So, um, so what is it that was missing? And what is it that you're doing now to, to put that together? Right. So, and actually, so my, my goal, one of the things that we, we did at the workshop with how to manage is um, when you leave the workshop, they have a meeting every, every quarter. And when you leave, you have to write down your personal goals, your professional goals, and you you have to pick one thing that is, you know, the one thing that you're going to do. And it's on a, like a carbon copy Mm -hmm. sheet, sort of old school. (laughs) And so you tear the page out of your, out of your workbook, the top page you tear out and you give to your, um, to your managing partner, which is the, you know, kind of the person who's assigned to, you know, basically put their foot up your ass when you screw up. Um, and, you know, and this person holds you accountable for, you know, because when you come back in three months, everybody's going to, going to shame you, I guess. I mean, it hasn't <laughs> happened yet, but so the thing that I put down, uh, you know, my number one goal was to, was to have this business plan. And the reason it's, it's harder than it sounds is because, you know, I don't have all of those SKUs. I don't know how much my costs are. I mean, I'm, I'm beginning to figure that out. Um, but uh, for, for example, that I looked at, um, I took a couple of weeks, I used micrometa data and I looked at, uh, picked out a couple of weeks from the, from the summer and throughout the year that were, that I was particularly busy where I was, you know, working, you know, probably 60 hours or more in the week. And I looked at those and figured out that I was doing about 30% of my time of those, of like those 60 hours or whatever, 30% of the time was doing secretarial work. Mm-hmm. And I, and that was like a huge, 
like that just kind of hit me over the head. I thought, well, I'm saving money by doing it myself. That's what I thought, you know, kind of that's how I justified it. But yeah. then, you know, if you really think about that, it's, it's not, it, it's not sustainable, number one. And it's, it's just not, it's not fair to yourself. It's not fair to your clients because, you know, you're burning yourself out doing things that, you know, it, it has nothing to do with the, it's not like your the work is beneath you. It's not about that. It's about, you know, what are you trained to do? What is your, you know, what are you good at? And that's what your clients want you doing. And that's how you're going to serve your clients best. If you do that work, if you are not doing that work and you're doing, um, you know, administrative work, then, you know, you're, you're burning yourself out and you are, you're not going to be happy. So you're not going to do good work. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it yourself as a manager um, of a company and, and your company is, has the need, right? And so if I'm managing people, I wouldn't want my lawyers doing secretarial work. I would want the secretaries doing the secretarial work because I, I'm paying the lawyers <laughs> to do legal work and it's, I'm not getting my money's worth out of them if they're doing secretarial work. But when it's just us, we don't think of it in the same way. Yeah. But we kind of, you kind of need to change your perspective and pretend exactly like you're looking right. down on your company. And then you go, well, wait a second. Why is that guy doing legal? Why is that guy doing secretarial work? Um, he, he wants to make a hundred grand a year or 200 grand a year or whatever. Um, and yeah. where he's wasting away, you know, sealing envelopes. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it, that was my real wake up. Um, you know, um, so, you know, I had been holding back on this and on, you know, kind of hiring assistance because so there's there's a guy that I really like um I'm sure you're familiar with him he's he does a kind of business development coaching and such it's uh Lee Rosen mm-hmm. um he writes divorce discourse and he's got a great podcast and um so you know I've been a big fan of his for a while um also have been you know probably ignoring most of the stuff that he's been preaching <laughs> um because, well I mean just it's true so one of the things that I remember really hit home with me that he said in a podcast a couple of years ago, and this is what I'd been kind of hanging my hat on. He said, you don't need to hire anybody until you've got $300,000 in revenue. And, it, you know, I'm not saying that that's false, but it's not working for me because um, I'm not going to ever get or I wouldn't have ever gotten to $300,000 if I hadn't realized, you know, what that I was you know, wasting all this time. Yeah. And, um, and I think maybe I was just looking at the wrong numbers because I'm looking at, I'm looking back at my, my practice kind of metrics come up in Clio when I log in and, you know, I get the, a really nice pie chart and it tells me, you know, how many hours I build and how many I need to build and get to my, my goal. And, you know, it's, it's really nice. But the thing about it is in Clio, it, it doesn't distinguish between the, the hours that you, that you work or that you log um, or that you bill and then the hours that you actually collect payment for, at least yeah. it doesn't on that, in that metric, in that screen on the dashboard. So, but when you, but I switched to QuickBooks, um, online, I switched from zero about maybe a year ago and man, I QuickBooks is just amazing compared to zero. I'm so glad I left zero. And, uh, so I hope <laughs> I, they're not I a have, sponsor. No, it's funny. Cause I have exactly the opposite feeling. Um, you would have yeah. to, if you held a gun to my head, I wouldn't touch QuickBooks again. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The, the biggest problem with Zero for me was, and I, I hope they're not a sponsor, but um, they, I couldn't get anybody to help me when I had problems because nobody knows how to use it, at least mm. not on the East Coast. Um, 
you know, so, you know, if you have a problem with QuickBooks, everybody knows how to use QuickBooks. You could put a Craigslist ad and get, you know, 50 people respond in 10 minutes. Um, sure. Not that I would, but um, so, um, but, you know, QuickBooks has really great, and Zero had nice reporting too, but QuickBooks makes it really easy. It wasn't easy. giving you that realization rate, how much money you were actually making for the time that you were billing and, and putting together. Right. And it was like half. So, yeah. um, so if I looked at my Clio numbers, then yeah, I was, I was generating plenty of work that I should be, have people, I should have a whole staff working for me, but the actual amount that I was collecting was not there. And so I was kept, I kept holding out thinking, okay, I've got to, I've got to bring more revenue in. And you know, the biggest problem was if it's not obvious is that, you know, I'm writing off too much time and I'm yeah. not charging enough for my, um, for my, for my work. Um, you know, and part of that was underbilling for uh, flat fees, and part of it was, you know, on fee shifting cases, not not getting um, not getting retainers from the clients, and um, you know, I just don't do that anymore because it's just not sustainable. Let me just switch topics a little bit here. One, it sounds like the big the big theme here is uh, that until you didn't start focusing on business development until you did. And the, the, uh, the, the thing that helped you make that switch was having a really shitty month and you've, you've absolutely climbed back from that. But it, but that we run into that same thing with so many aspects of business development, right? Like people know they should go paperless because it, they should have gone paperless 10 years ago, um, but they still haven't done it. People know that they should be, um, learning to be tech savvy, but they don't do it like does it does it always take a shitty month or what or, or how can we how can we get more lawyers what do you think it's going to take to get more lawyers to take that step and finally start focusing on business development um, or even even some professional development when it starts feeling like not lawyering professional development how do, how do we convince more lawyers to do that do you have any insight wow um, well I can say that what made me snap out of it was our John Robbins and, you know, you can just put him into YouTube and just see some, I mean, he's a crazy dude. Was it, was it seeing him on, was it seeing his videos or was it um, paying his company money that forced you to pay? I mean, it's like the gym thing, right? I, I will go to the gym because I'm paying the gym 150 bucks a month. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> wow, that's an expensive gym membership. Uh, it is a little more than that, but yeah. <laughs> wow. That's the why you have the whole family. <laughs> yes, that's the family plan. But, um, okay. but yeah, so is it, was it actually, um, was it something that, that Arjun or somebody else said, or was it, um, finally committing to it and spending the money? Because if it's committing to it and spending the money, then, then, then we need to back it up a little bit and figure out what is it that actually gets you in to do that. And so that we can get other lawyers to do it. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, he gives you everything for free. He's not a greedy guy. You know, a lot of people uh, might say that or whatever. I mean, he's, he's, he's brash. He's, you know, he's kind of off-putting. Not to me, because I'm used to that on the East Coast. I mean, that's just kind of how... <laughs> no, really. I mean, it's just kind of how we are. Um, but, you know, a lot of people call him a bastard and call him, you know, this and that. And he, he jokes about it himself. Um, and, you know, hopefully he won't mind me saying this. Um, <laughs> but, um, but you know, he he speaks the truth. And, and um, you know, I've seen people try to challenge him um, on some of these some of these um, principles that he has and nobody can do it. Um, but so he gives everything away for free. It's the, the, if you want to pay for it, that kind of, then they, they sort of hold your hand and they, they, they help you get it done. 
um, he'll tell you, you know, all this stuff is available in, you know, books that most of them were written a half century ago mm-hmm. and you could go get all this information. Um, the guy, this guy, uh, I mean, uh, Arjan, he reads books. He's like constantly reading books and he rereads them. So yeah, but, he gets so much out of them. Let yeah, me, well. let me drag you back to my question, which was how, <laughs> how do we, how do we force more people to finally get over that step and start working on their business? Is, is, okay. is the answer that they need to watch our John Robbins videos or, or what, like, what is it that'll make the difference? Well, so that's, um, thanks for, for pointing out that I was <laughs> off track and, um, you know, maybe you can be my campaign manager when I run for office. Um, but, um, you know, I guess you have to find your, what's the, there's a, there's a term, um, anytime you want to, you want to have a, you want to make a change in your life. And I, I can't remember what it is, but any kind of, um, I think Seth Godin's used it, Tony Robbins, maybe, um, you know, it's, it's like you're, you have to have like an oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to find out what, you know, find your oh shit moment. And, you know, our John, that was it for me. He, he helped me to find it. And, but the, I think that the way that he made it so obvious is because, you know, he got me to finally kind of admit that just because you're a, you're a, a solo or a small firm lawyer doesn't mean you have to be struggling. Doesn't mean you have to be hustling all the time. Doesn't mean, you know, that you can't have work-life balance or whatever you want to call it. I guess the, the thing that kind of hit with me is it, it all comes down to sales. And, you know, if you don't know how to sell legal services, then you're not going to be happy as a lawyer, uh, unless you're going to go work for somebody else and somebody else is going to be selling the legal services because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you can't be comfortable and effective at selling legal services, then, then you're not going to run your firm. Your firm is going to run you and clients come to us for, for sound advice, for guidance, for judgment. And we have to be the lawyers. We can't have the clients dictating what we're doing. And, um, I, I guess our John's videos spoke to me and kind of opened my eyes to, you know, these, these principles about cause and effect about sales, about, you know, about marketing and all these little things that all these, you know, the, the seven parts of, of every successful law firm. It all, kind of, it all finally, you, you saw, you saw the way the way was open to you. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it just, I just realized that I was doing something wrong and I, you know, things aren't going to change. It's not because I'm not a good enough lawyer. That's not the reason mm-hmm. that I'm not making enough money it has nothing to do with that. I think that's kind of a nice note to end on. So Joe, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed, well, I'm sorry to hear about your shitty month, but I'm really, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed talking about how, how you've gone about making sure you never have another one. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. It's fun. Always fun talking to you. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and the Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice.